as much as anybody can be, I'm pretty much immune to hype. And I think that that's just because I got lucky in the beginning and like did things that people thought were bad ideas and then they worked out great. And so I think I just like have some weird reinforcement in my brain where like not only do I not care what other people think, but I think that they're probably wrong. What's up, you sexy beast? It's your boy, Never Rush, a.k.a. Rabbi Can't Lose, a.k.a. Noah Kagan. In today's episode, I talk with my good friend, Tynan. You might remember Tynan from a previous episode. He's actually been my most popular podcast ever, and now he's back for more. Tynan has traveled to more countries and has done more weird experiences than anyone I know, plus he owns an island. I feel like that's a great trump card. It's like if I owned a helicopter. Be like, oh yeah, you have a Ferrari? I have a, a helicopter. Maybe a pontoon. Anyways, in today's conversation, you're going to learn three main things. Number one, the best things from around the world. We discuss and Tynan shares things that you need to see, you need to do, you need to own, including owning a penguin. Number two, building a real estate property empire for way less than you think. And number three, how Tynan looks at money. Uh, we talk about greed and jealousy and, and how do you figure out how much to actually earn and when is it enough? You're going to learn those three things and a bunch more. Enjoy. Sometimes I look at a dog, I'm like, man, your life is fucking awesome. What'd you do all day? Dude, this guy took care of me or girl took care of me or they gave me food. I ran around. You don't have to do anything. You have no responsibility, but you're trapped and you don't, you don't have any options. But I think sometimes in life, it's actually better to have no options and you're very limited and you're like, this is what I do. I'm in this cage of life as a person or as an animal. Now in this day and age, it's like unlimited women, men, unlimited transportation options, unlimited food options. There's like too many options. Maybe I'll be a wild bird or something. Okay, you could be any fly. animal, not a flying animal. Ah, no flying animals at all. And it can't be a human that could figure out how to put flying things on it. <laughs> a dolphin, be a dolphin. They're pretty smart. I feel like swimming is close to flying. Probably just wouldn't be a dolphin anywhere near Japan. Don't want to get, <laughs> don't want to get packaged as well meat and eaten, you know? <laughs> we end up eating Tynan. I thought originally I would be a squirrel. Because they're just like cool as shit. I like shit. squirrels. But then I also like a rhino. I think I'm talking about my spirit animal as much. Rhino is a good one. Budapest Zoo, you can get within like a foot of a rhino. Can you? Budapest Zoo, best zoo in the world. Best zoo in the world. Not for the conventional reasons. By other standards, San Diego Zoo is probably the best. Okay. Budapest Zoo was built before they had things like safety. And so you can get so <laughs> close to every animal. You can go in the same cage as several of them, like the bats, the uh, wallabies. I was just thinking like, what's a universally loved animal? I was like, oh, the penguins. Everyone loves Everybody penguins. likes penguins. They're very cool. Penguins are cool. I wanted a pet penguin so bad. You know, I tried to buy one. Did I ever tell you that? No. What happened? There was a site called penguinwarehouse.com. No. <laughs> My friend sent me the link with no explanation. I just skipped the front page, clicked over to the penguins for sale inventory thing. And they had like five different penguins with different breeds, different ages. And I'm researching them for hours. Decided on a Snares Island penguin. I was going to name him Magellan. Four years old. and I just send them an email. I'm like, I'll buy this penguin. I'm ready. Tell me how to send the money. It was like a couple thousand dollars. So it was expensive, but not crazy. I literally bought a 3,100 gallon swimming pool that I put in my living room because I thought the penguin would want a swimming area. I took all the furniture out of my living room. It went like wall well, so to wall. You, did you actually do that? I actually did that from Costco. This is why my blog got popular because I wrote the story of this. This is like the first big article? It was like one of Diggs' top articles ever at the time. It was like number 10 ever. What was the title? My ghetto indoor swimming pool, I think. And I got it because of Magellan. I thought he's going to be so pumped. This thing had a filter. It had a ladder to get into it. I mean, it was huge. And then I started telling everybody I'm getting a penguin. I'm like, look, I got the pool. I'm getting this penguin. And people were skeptical. My aunt was very skeptical. She was at the aquarium in Boston. You know, they have a really good penguin exhibit there. And she's like, you're not getting a penguin. She tells them, they're like, that's illegal. There's no way. I keep sending this link to somebody. And somebody's like, 
you know this site is a joke, right? I'm like, no, it's not. They're like, dude, look at the front page. Very clearly a joke. Couldn't be more <laughs> obvious. It was somebody's design portfolio site or something like that. So if anyone out there knows where to get Pet Penguin, are you still in the market? I feel like I'm not in the market anymore. I mean, I do feel this sense of loss for Magellan <laughs> that I never got Magellan. I felt, you know, I was probably a couple of weeks that I thought I was having a pet penguin. What were you guys going to do together? Like you guys go on walks? So on the site, which again is a total fake, <laughs> it said that they would like sleep in your bed with you. It like you could walk together. Yeah. I mean, it, like it sounds ridiculous now, but I think I wanted to believe it so badly. I just thought we were going to be best buddies. You know, in the Budapest Zoo, you can get so close to these things. And so now I know they don't smell very good too. So a zoo is a good way to interact with animals. No need for a pet. All right. If so I was going to get a pet though, I'd get a bird. They're very smart. Let's come back to a few things I was curious about. One was best in the world. How many miles do you think you've traveled on an airplane or by boat combined? Millions. So kayak tells you, and I don't forward most of my itineraries to kayak, and it says I've traveled like 300,000 miles. And I've been using it for like two years and it doesn't really track everything. So I feel like millions, low millions. I thought you were going to say, well, actually on my kayak, I've traveled. I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, God, what are you? Yeah, you didn't know I'm a world kayak traveler. You could be. I, well, I guess because you traveled so much in the world, I was curious, like what other things are the best in the world from your perspective or like best experiences? Oh my God, or I think I have a zillion of these. I know. That's why I was curious. Yeah. Because you said best zoo in the world. I was like, oh, what other best in the world? Oh, I feel like I need more constraints to come up with. Um, best tea. That's something that you're known for. Best tea is actually Jojo, also in Budapest. Really? Yeah, this tea house, I'd say it's the best overall tea house. Incredibly beautiful space, really great people who really know a lot about tea, really care about tea and go get it themselves and brew it properly. In Tokyo, there's a place called Higashiya in Ginza. There's actually many of them, but the Ginza one is the only one that serves tea. Best high-end Japanese green tea in the world. Amazing experience to go there. I go every single time I go to Japan. Those would be my two favorite tea places, I think. Is the best one in America? That one's a little bit tougher. I have a few. I think Samovar in San Francisco is like just super good overall. Because they have to make money in San Francisco, they focus a little more on food and stuff, but they have very legit tea that's really good. And that also was the place that got me to love tea. So it was a very special place in my heart. They actually just opened a new location last week, went for the opening party. Where at? On uh, Fillmore Street. It's a really cool, really, really cool one. And then Tea Company in New York, T.E., is this crazy little place that only serves Taiwanese oolongs. I think actually now maybe they serve some other Taiwanese teas, but for years only served Taiwanese oolongs. Oolong is already sort of like slightly a connoisseur kind of tea. Taiwanese oolongs are like the champagne of oolongs. It's like the best of the best. So I think it's like the bravest thing ever to have this tea place that only serves this like really niche kind of tea. And they have excellent ones. The people are amazing. They have actually great snacks. And it's like very reasonably priced for how good it is, especially being in New York. All right. Best Chipotle in the world. I don't think if people know, you eat Chipotle probably how many times a year? A couple hundred, I would say. Probably 200. It depends how much I travel. I'd say 80 to 90% of days I'm in the US, 100% of days I'm in Vegas, essentially. And your favorite Chipotle location? So what I like about Chipotle is that they're all fairly consistent. They do vary you know, a little bit. There's one I haven't been to yet because I went to the wrong one by accident in New York. That's the Chipotle Test Kitchen. Right now they have bacon. I actually had a dream about Chipotle with bacon last night. No, you did not. I swear to God, I did. What happened in that dream? I had Chipotle with bacon. In it. So it in really your good. dream, you, you went to Chipotle and got it with bacon? Yeah. Chipotle Test Kitchen in New York, I bet is my favorite, but I haven't been. I will say the US ones are better than foreign ones. But if there was any one I was going to say I would not want to be shut down, it'd probably be the Paris one because I don't really care about French food. But as soon as I found out there's a Chipotle in Paris, I started liking Paris a little more. <laughs> like follow-up question. Um, oh, best vehicle, minivan. Really? 
God, if you're intended on kidnapping or not getting laid. Or anything. Or getting laid. You could put a mattress in the <laughs> yeah, back. Yeah, that's true. My brother just got one. He got a Toyota Sienna. No, no, no. Big mistake. Everybody gets those because they're the most reliable. <laughs> but what you want is a Dodge or Chrysler. They have a patent on the stow-and-go seating, which allows both the back seat and the middle seats to fold totally flat into the floor. So you can put a four by eight sheet of plywood in it, which is you know just a standard dimension for stuff. You can fit anything in these. I have a Bentley and I have a minivan. I like the minivan better. But now you're married, so like you're off the market. Actually, going on a date with the Bentley feels weird. I would drive the minivan if I was dating. If you were dating, would you put him in the back seat on the Bentley? In the Bentley? No. <laughs> I, know. I, would, I would put the front seat minivan. Like my brother, I love my brother, but he's like so about function. He does not care right. about like form whatsoever. Smart, smart man. Why am I talking to you? I should be talking to your brother. He's honestly very interesting. Do you know what his other car is? What? A Geo Tracker. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I've never had one, but it no. doesn't immediately jump out to me as a great car. Well, it did break down on us in the middle of the mountains. But besides that, he's like, my brother's such a researcher. He'll like go and spend all the time. And he's buying the thing that's actually the best functioning thing for the right. value. Right. Which most people Smart. are just kind of like, how many Amazon reviews does it have? Okay, I'll do that one. All right. Best backpack? Oh, come on. Sponsored by <laughs> Manal. I will say, so I have a Manal daily. I think that's what you have too. Yeah. Love the bag, the quality especially. Any other bag I use, the quality doesn't stack up. And we know the guys and like I've talked to them and they pay the extra like 13 cents per zipper to have good zippers. They were telling me this crazy story where like they were talking to the supplier and the supplier's like, why would you do that? North Face doesn't do that. Like all these places don't do that. And they're like, we'll pay an extra $3 to have good zippers on the bag. <laughs> and they did that with every single thing. What's the best item of clothing you bought this year or worn this year? And what's the best like gadget that you've got that you're like, dude, I can't believe I live without this? Hmm, both good questions. My favorite item of clothing is Woolen Prince button down shirt made out of wool. I just think it's like really well made. It looks really good and it's super functional. Right now I'm wearing a t-shirt because too hot in Austin, but that's not new. I feel like- Well, it's like you keep your wife because you're happy with her. You don't right. like, oh, I got to get a new one. So far. <laughs> been, been married seven months. As for gadgets, I think good headphones, good in-ear monitor headphones is one of those things that like when I forget it, I miss it the most because you can use it to block out sound. Like the sound quality in some of these things is really good. I had a friend who I convinced to buy some recently and just seeing his reaction of how much he loved them, it kind of like you used to your own gear. I was like, oh yeah, they really are that good, good. compared yeah. to normal stuff. And I feel like most people either get the crappy headphones that come with their things, those stupid ear pods, or they get like the giant Bose noise canceling headsets, which actually work well but not nearly as well as the tiny in-ear monitors. See, I have the Bose in-ear ones and I have the Bose uh, Bluetooth uh, big ones. The in-ear ones just like on airplanes don't block the noise canceling that well. Yeah. For me. Uh, maybe no, no, I've, I've heard that about them. But I also do AirPods. It doesn't look as douchey as I thought it would look. I think it looks more douchey. I think as soon really? as you get one and you're like, you tell yourself lies, I think. <laughs> I, was I think nothing the, looks dumber than AirPods. I was thinking about people in AirPods riding scooters around town. That's about as bad as it looks, yeah. I'm trying to think of the gadgets that have really helped me this year. Do you know one gadget? It was from Nick as well. It's sponsored by Nick Gray. Check out nickgray.net. Net.net. And it's swimming goggles. Oh, I, boy. I've had a lot of talks with him about these goggles. No, I pretty much, I brought goggles to Barcelona when I was living there for the past month and someone stole them. And then the next weekend, there was a pool, no goggles, no swimming. Close your eyes. Ugh, I don't like getting that chlorine in my eyes. Anyways, it was one of those things where I was like, oh, man, I really, really like my goggles when I travel. Hmm. I'm trying to think of other stuff. Yeah, uh, Nick loves them too. I'll tell you one I like is my Snowpeak Titanium Thermos. It has a wide mouth, so it's like comfortable to drink out of. It's not the one, I don't like the little mouth things. Yeah. Also easy to clean because the mouth is wider than the body. Keeps things cold or hot forever. I feel how light that is. Huh. So I use it to boil water in. I use it for like cold water when I'm- Oh, you put the thing inside. I have an immersion boiler carried. 
I realized that all of my travel stuff is tea, essentially. If I got rid of the tea, I could essentially travel out of a fanny pack, I think. What's the longest you've gone without having tea? Probably three days. Okay. Do you think you need like rehab ever? I guess maybe over a year ago, I went like a week without it just because I was like, you know, I'm addicted to tea. Maybe I should stop drinking it. Yeah. So, I didn't drink it for a week. I think I got like minor headaches the first day, but I feel like I was also on like a long flight. So, I wasn't sure if it was the flight or, you know, whatever. To try to stay motivated, I would look up online reasons that you shouldn't drink tea, like because there's pros and cons to everything. There, <laughs> there are no cons to tea at all. It's like may have to pee more frequently. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, I guess. Live with that. I have a great bladder though, so like that doesn't affect me. Anti-water blogs. Yeah, I couldn't find anything. So after a week, I was like, all right, I'll just keep drinking tea. I mean, I do think that the near dependence on it is the biggest con. Where like every day, yeah. like I do think like, all right, I'm going to drink some tea. However, I don't know if I've told you this. I only eat one meal per day now. Okay. Why is that? The real reason is it's convenient, especially for work. You wake up, you have your tea, and you just have no meals till 6 or 7 p.m. So, you just have this massive block of uninterrupted time, which I love. It also appears to possibly be healthier. And my body fat percentage has gone down since I've done it. But really, the convenience is amazing. And then do you get a double Chipotle bowl or just a single still? Great question. It depends. If it's like a workout day, sometimes I'll get a double. I also, I'm kind of a big deal at my local Chipotle. So, I feel like when I get a half and half... Oh, yeah. The old manager, he and I were really close. I got to try the queso before it was really out. He would like comp me like all the time. He was the one who helped cater my wedding. He was really into like (laughs) smuggling the meat up into the place. Then all of a sudden he was gone. You know, I go on a trip, I come back and he's gone. But I do the nachos or the chips and queso now. In addition to the bowl. In addition to the bowl. Yeah, because you haven't eaten all day. I was joking with someone where, you know, like intermittent fasting, this new rage. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. I was joking with someone this weekend how I, I fast as well, but I do it from midnight to 8 a.m. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like every night I fast. Kind and of everybody intermittent fasts. Yeah, everyone's fasting. I just love when people are doing new diets. Not saying that yours is a new diet. I think yours is more just literally out of convenience and not out of being a diet. And I'm like, you still don't look good. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I know you're on a diet, but uh, maybe you should try like just eating less. That's the thing. I feel like a lot of times people hyper-optimize. I mean, not just in diet, but they're like, you know what I do now is I drink 16 ounces of water with green powder every night. I'm like, that's going to do nothing. It's a healthy thing to do, but it's like a 0.1%. Eat healthy food and workout. What is it called? Placebo. Maybe at least it's something that leads them to a better place. I think people just like doing things that make them feel like they're making improvements even when they're not. I think that's just like almost a national pastime. Hell yeah. Of course you do. Yeah. <laughs> like for I'm sure. I'm not saying I don't either, right? <laughs> How's married life? You've been married seven months. You're off the market. Wife Quest 3000 is Actually, over. eight months. 9000. Come on. Don't downgrade my wife quest. Happy anniversary, man. Thank you. It's awesome. Actually, I have a lot of thoughts on it. So for one, I would say it's not that different. I feel like in the same way that sometimes, not everybody, but sometimes people get in relationships and they're like, oh, I can't, my girlfriend, you know, like you don't see them anymore. So I feel like people use these big life events as an excuse to be lazy in a lot of ways, right? Like, oh, we don't see our friends anymore because we're married now. or We don't do whatever because we're married now. So, I feel like for me, it's been almost the same. I think that the biggest difference is that when we're planning for things, we don't have that caveat of like, oh, if we're still together in a couple of years. I don't know if you use that, but I used to use that all the time. It's like, oh, you know, if we're still together in a couple of years, we should like go on a trip or we should like do this. Is that what you'd say to your girlfriends or people you're dating? Yeah, you want them to know that. <laughs> That's not a for sure thing. <laughs> Heads up. I, I don't know if I'll have enough points for you by then. <laughs> like, especially early in the relationship where it's like, you know, you don't want to be like, hey, let's go on a trip next year. It's like, dude, we've been dating you know, three months, that's a little much. It's like, oh, if we're still together. But I think sleeping in the same bed as somebody is not good for you. I think your sleep quality is definitely not as good as it would be by yourself. I think sleep is super important. And so what I noticed is that I'm usually a pretty easy to get along with guy, not very snippy, don't have all these weird hangups. But I found that like in our first month together that I was like little things she was doing were getting on my nerves that empirically were not annoying. 
but I would just be annoyed with them. And then I'd also be annoyed with myself. I'm like, why is that bothering you? And then when I was working, I was having trouble like focusing. And I was like, I think I'm not slept well enough. So slept one night in separate beds. I felt like I was on like a five-star vacation. I slept like nine or 10 hours. I woke up and felt great. Nothing could annoy me. My work was great. So I like having the ability to sleep in separate bedrooms. How'd you bring that up with her? I think if I brought that up with my girlfriend, I think she'd be offended. I think I just explained why. Instead of being like, hey, I want to sleep in separate beds, which I think would (laughs) throw up some flags. I was like, hey, look, I feel like I'm getting annoyed at you when you haven't done anything annoying. I want to try sleeping in separate beds. And in general, the best practice in relationships is like generally doing what you want to do and explaining why you want to do it in a way that is like very respectful of like what she's going to be worried about, right? Because like the obvious worry is like, oh, he's not as into me. He doesn't like like, which clearly isn't the case, right? So it's like you just have to make sure that's clear. Like, I feel like it would work the same way. Like, she can do basically anything she wants as long as I'm not worrying that it means something's wrong. How has it changed your life? My observation, it seems like you still just do everything you want. Yeah. Being in a relationship changed my life more than the gap from no relationship to relationship versus relationship to marriage was much bigger. Like, I try to be in Vegas slightly more, I think. Maybe that's not obvious. But, you know, try to be in Vegas a little bit more. I had this, like, thought of, like, Huh, if I wasn't married, probably I would just break up with her. Not because it's like the smart thing to do, but just because it's like, oh, I can immediately alleviate this like dealing with argument situation. And now I just don't think of that as an option. So I think it makes me more willing to work through stuff, which I think is a good thing for the relationship, but also just for me as a person. From when you met her to when you got married, it was less than a year? One year, exactly. Got married on our one year anniversary and her birthday. That is kind of wild, I think. You know, obviously maybe 50 years ago, I'm like, oh, I just met him and now we get married. But how did you come to that conclusion so quickly? So, I mean, really, really early on, like second date, I remember having this distinct thought and I'll tell you what, it was because she made my bed. There was something about it where it wasn't like she was trying to impress me or something. It was just like, hey, I messed up this bed, so I'll make the bed. I don't know. There's something about it where I just felt like she would be a really good partner. Like, I feel like a lot of times in a lot of relationships, you sort of feel like it's like, here's what I want. Here's what this person wants. And let's like negotiate. So we both get as much of what we want as possible. And I just felt like she had this attitude from the beginning of like, hey, let's like build something together. I just remember having that distinct thought of like, oh, she would be a great partner. Even before I knew if we were compatible or not, I just thought she had that trait of being a good partner. Well, because you had her sleep in her own bed, right? That was the day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she slept in her own bed and made her own bed. <laughs> I was just thinking also, what if like she made the bed and you're like, she doesn't know how to fold the sheets Yeah, exactly. Well. She doesn't <laughs> fold it like I want. And then even like the first time I went to go visit her in Houston, she like made the point of being like, and don't think you're going to have to like visit me all the time. Like I'll visit you next time. It's just like very proactive about like, hey, we're in this together. Not like, oh, well, you know, I haven't decided on you yet. So I'm going to like make you do as much of the work as possible. I just felt like she had a really good attitude. And I think part of that too is like, she was willing to make herself vulnerable in a way, like showing that she is like putting effort into it without worrying if I'm going to like think it's too much or whatever. So I think that was a difference I noticed early on. And then we would talk about marriage sort of in an abstract sense. And we talked about it and it was this sort of thing where like, I realized there was no downside and that I was probably going to marry her anyway. And I feel like a lot of times big decisions people put off just because they're big decisions. And I think I generally do the opposite, maybe not in dating though. And I was just like, if we're going to do it anyway, let's just get it over with and like move on. Yeah. So like it didn't even feel like that big of a deal to me, to be totally honest with you. I had a thought, it's a total non sequitur, which I think means it's random. means, yeah, not connected with the... Okay. I just know the cartoon. I don't really know what the actual (laughs) word means. (laughs) I was like, okay, if Tynan is in Vegas, because you're talking about Vegas and your wife and, and you don't do drugs and you don't drink, but you decide on one day... You're going to do whatever drugs and drinking you can do. Do you know what you would do? I mean, I have no desire to do anything. No, no, but you're like wanting to do it. For some reason, you wake up in the morning, you're like, dude, I'm going to do some drugs today. Like, what would you think you'd be doing? 
The problem is I feel like it's a Pandora's box situation. So that's the main reason I don't want to do it. I am curious. They say heroin's better than anything else on planet Earth. So obviously I'm curious what that's like. However, if then I have to live the rest of my life without thinking like, oh, well, it turns out what I thought was a 10 out of 10 is a 6 out of 10. Then my whole life, even if I never do it again, my whole life is worse, right? Yeah. I think the smartest drug to do is probably acid. Like I've read enough about it. Or there were these like very elite scientists that were all stuck on different problems. They're working on different things, not related. And they were part of a study and they all took acid and like eight out of 10 of them solved the problem that they'd been stuck on for years and like several of them won Nobel Prizes. So I feel like with drugs like pot, people are like, oh, it makes me so creative. And then it's like, well, probably not. It makes you feel like you're creative. And I feel like maybe people would argue with that. But that's sort of my perception <laughs> of it. Maybe a mix of both. Because I think sometimes when your inhibitions are down, maybe it is easier to be creative or whatever. But I often feel like it's a placebo sort of thing or it's imagined. Whereas with acid, I'm like, okay, well, these are like Nobel Prize winners. So I think if I was going to use any drug, it would be acid. I have thought recently in the past six months, I don't want to do heroin because it's hard to find. But it's like if everyone likes it that much, they're willing to give up their house and live on the streets for it. Like it's got to be good. Yeah. I'm sure it's <laughs> You know, it's actually less addictive than alcohol and most other drugs, percentage-wise. However, if you are one of the people that is inclined to become addicted to heroin, it's like 100%. Really? Yeah. So, it's like, it's the hardest drug to kick, basically. But it's actually percentage-wise, like most people can do it and not be addicted. But if you're magically one of those people that's inclined to be addicted, you're screwed. Have you ever met anyone that's done heroin or meth? I have one person I know who did heroin. And it just didn't do it for him. He's like, yeah, it's like, felt great. It was cool. But like, I just didn't feel like doing it again. It made me think about that because I met this girl maybe about like two years ago, like a normal girl. Like if you met her, be like, oh yeah, she's probably an accountant, whatever, Mm -hmm. Asian girl, a friend of mine. She's like, yeah, I used to be pretty into meth for a while. I was like, meth? I was like, that's like serious shit. But you know, meth is Adderall. Oh, really? It's the same thing. I'm just like, look at the pictures. You know when they show the pictures of someone on meth? Yeah, they gross teeth. Yeah. Meth is Adderall. It's like so many people are doing this. Uh, Well, Adderall even, I I don't know how that's so legal and so accessible. It blows my mind. There's literally nothing you could do if I had kids to get me to give them Adderall. Would never do it. There's there's an interesting Netflix documentary about it. It's called What the Pill? Is that what it is? Maybe, I forget. I think it's What the Pill. I I was on Adderall when I watched it, I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) No, I just saw it today on, I was like TMZ, obviously. I look at TMZ a lot. Of course. One of the kid actors from Mighty Ducks got arrested. I think he was on Adderall. It looks like a meth head. Kind of sucked. It's the same thing, yeah. Yeah, I was like, do meth, lose everything. Coming back to best, one thing I wanted to add, I was totally coming back full circle. Suave shoes, since Austin, girl who makes them, and I put it out on OK Dork, and people went crazy for them. And I wear them all the time. Today I'm wearing Vans. When I travel, it's pretty much that sometimes I wear Allbirds, but they're just like, they're comfy. You don't have to wear socks. They look good. Are they slip on? Eh, shoe-ish, but slip on. I'm doing the Allbirds slip-ons right now, and I'm not... I like them. I like them. I don't don't love them. them. I have the same ones. I have them in blue. I like it. It's just like hiking. It's okay. It's a little awkward. I found my feet got sweaty. Yeah. Is that yours too? Yeah. I feel like most wool things basically don't smell bad. I feel like these, I feel like I have to wash them more than I thought I would have. I don't know. It's kind of interesting with life where it's like you with your minivan, you drive a minivan because it's very functional. It like works for your life. I feel like with Allbirds and some of these things, like I don't want to be dressing just like everyone else. And I feel like that to certain things, like a lot of people are wearing them now. Yeah. I feel like I'm like, oh, let's bump up suave shoes. Mm Mm-hmm. I'll check out these swath shoes. Yeah, they're good. Oh, one thing that I wanted to highlight coming back to what we're talking about best things in the world is that one thing I've noticed about you is that you've picked countries ahead of everyone else. You bought the island, which if you guys haven't seen the island, go to tinin.com. And it's actually looking really good. The island's awesome now. I'm a little jealous. I was thinking about it recently. I'm a little jealous that you and Nick swam to the other island. That was super cool. Yeah. I was like, damn, that sounds fun. So after the island, then is that when we did Budapest? 
Yeah, Budapest. Well, Vegas. Oh, then you did your Vegas. Now you have a compound in Vegas where you... How many units do you guys own? We Ten? have eight of them now. Eight. Right? So you found... What was the cheapest one? They were about 50,000. Yeah. So $50,000 condos, 700 square foot, less than a mile. Is it about a mile or so? About a mile from the Strip. From the Strip in Vegas. And they've all gone up by like 50, 60% in value now. In really? Yeah, yeah. And they sell same day now. Like we have a waiting list of people that are trying to buy them. We missed the last three because they go same day, full price. Have you gone door to door and hit yeah, them up? Yeah, yeah. We got one that way. But what about the rest of them? How do those other ones go on market? So most of them are renters. And so the renters don't want them to be sold. So they don't pass it on. Yeah. We did like public records and we like sent like letters to the owners. And that's how we got one of them. The funny thing is he made us buy another condo. He like wanted to sell two at a time and it was like in a different location, but nearby. And so we're like, all right. And but gave us a good deal on both under market. So we did it. And now both are worth like so much more. So the point being, you found that you went to Budapest, Budapest. which is a very like, what country is Budapest in? Most people probably don't know. Yeah. I'm like, oh, you know where Budapest is? It's in Budapest. Yeah. <laughs> it's the capital of Budapest. It's a country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's Hungary. Yeah. Yeah. Hungary. But you found this place and, you know, I've been there once and I was like, whatever. And I went back because I put in 10,000 and you did the shared house, mm -hmm. shared condo. And now that condo is in like the hottest location. You know, we have some repairs on it, like natural, but it's like, and now when I go to Budapest, it's getting more expensive. It's getting yep. more crowded. How did you pick Budapest? And then we can talk about the recent one we've done and, and maybe what you think is next after that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I feel like as much as anybody can be, I'm pretty much immune to hype. Like, I think I just don't care what other people think in general. And I think that that's just because I got lucky in the beginning and like did things that people thought were bad ideas and then they worked out great. And so I think I just like have some weird reinforcement in my brain where like not only do I not care what other people think, but I think that they're probably wrong, at least for me, right? And then I think there's like, there's also like this curve of like early adopters, you know, whatever that whole curve is. And I know people have figured it out. And I think just once other people are doing something, I'm less interested in it, maybe to a fault sometimes, but just that happens to be my set point. And so I think I tend to evaluate things on their merits isolated from what other people think. And so when I went to Budapest, nobody was hyping up Budapest. I didn't even want to be there. I just had like a three-day layover or something. It was this weird flight deal. And I just got there and not having any hype or any like preconceived notions. I'm just evaluating it based on what it was like. I'm like, oh, this place has everything. Like maybe it's not the hot place. Maybe you're not impressing anybody by saying you're in Budapest or whatever. But like this has all the things you'd actually need in a good place. And so I just knew like, okay, well, my experience is going to be great here and my friend's experience will be great here. And I think I also tend to just like look where other people aren't looking. Like the next one in three days we close on is in Hawaii. And I think like everybody likes Hawaii, but where do they go in Hawaii? They go to Oahu or Maui. Or Kauai. I think Kauai is the hot one right now. Really? Everybody wants to go to Kauai. I think it's like super trendy right now. We wanted a place basically like all these other places we have, none of them are good for the winter or none of them are geared towards the winter. Interesting. So that was the idea behind this. We were going to go to Puerto Rico at first because I liked that place. The hurricane happened and I went back and it just like felt like not a home run. Like it was okay, but didn't feel great. But Hawaii, like the big island is actually empirically probably the best one. So that's where Hilo and Kona are. It has the most land area. So it has the most stuff to do. It's got the volcano, which if you live in the lava field is the worst thing, but Volcano National Park is one of the coolest national parks in the US. I mean, it's amazing. Every day there's a lava map where you take a different hike to get to the lava every day because it comes up in a different spot. You can get really close to it. What it doesn't have are the things other people care about. It doesn't have the like picturesque, make your friends jealous, huge white sand beaches, which in my experience are actually kind of miserable to go to. Some people like them, but I don't like it. And it rains sometimes, but it's like rain showers. And it doesn't have like the big fancy resorts, which again, like impress your friends. But the experience of being in Hilo 
which is where we're getting our place, is incredible. They have the best food of anywhere in Hawaii. Instead of like crazy Hawaiian Jim's Crab Shack, it's like some <laughs> local place where like they know the fishermen and they have like the fish of the day. Yeah. The best raw fish I've ever had in my life, and I've spent probably a year in Tokyo or in Japan total, is in this poke place called Poke Market in Hawaii. The best rice I've ever had and the best raw fish I've ever had. It is so good that like I literally thought about driving three hours round trip to go get it the next day because I was staying on the other side of the island. And then the beaches are so cool. There's sea turtles swimming around in them. There's like black lava formations that you can climb on. And there's like 20 of them. They're all tiny. So the experience of being there is better, but nobody's hyping it. It doesn't yeah. look as good in postcards. But we bought a place for under $100,000 where you can walk to the beach. How did you identify it? So that one actually is a really weird story. But in high school, one of the first long trips I ever went on, my first girlfriend ever, her family was obsessed with Hilo. And so we all went one summer as like this trip. And so actually when I was looking, I found these apartments that were reasonably priced and I had to go there before making an offer because I was like, I need to make sure that it's really that good and it's not just this like yeah. remembering my high school sweetheart and like traveling with her kind of situation. But it was a lot better than I remembered. Yeah, the place looks great. It's incredible. And there's tea plantations on the island that you can go to, which I didn't even know when we bought the place and I'm so excited about it. Everything is about tea is yeah. what I'm realizing. It's like Budapest, right. tea. It's totally true. Hawaii tea. Yeah. Well, for me, a lot of what I look for in these places is can I have a good routine there, right? Because like if you can't have a good routine, just go there once for vacation. You know what I mean? But if you can have a good routine of like good restaurants that you can go to that aren't like crazy expensive, that are reasonably healthy, like, you know, good for me, like a good place to have tea, easy to get to and from the airport, good work environment, like stuff like that will make me want to go to a place more. It is cool to have the homes. And I like that it's like, it's almost, I like the fact that it makes you go explore that city. Like I would never exactly. go to Budapest without that. Right. And I think what I've struggled with the whole, like we bought in Hawaii, we bought in Budapest and Tokyo, I'd love to be a part of it. Is that like, I also default to like, how do I like make money on it? Like, that's just like my default. Yeah. I'm like, all right, how do we rent these out? Or how do I turn them into like co-working spots? For the thing is like, 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 it's fun to make something neutral. So it's like free or whatever. Like, I think I also like that. Yeah. But a big shift for me has been to think about like, okay, I'm going to make whatever money and then I'm going to somehow transform it into some sort of utility, whether it's direct utility, like I'm going to buy this tea or like I'm just going to have it in a bank account so I feel more secure because there's utility in that too. But the whole point of money is it's going to turn into utility in some way. A lot of times there's a lot of competition to make more money on money, right? Like there's an Airbnb market, but there's often no competition in turning money into really good utility. So like, yeah, we could make a little bit of money on these things. Although I think when you do the math, it's like not that much. But, you know, it's only costing you a few hundred bucks per year. So, like, it doesn't take much to get it to break even. But then all of a sudden, it's not your house anymore. Like, you can't just, like, leave your stuff there. You can't, like, just say, like, you know what? I'm stressed out. I'm going to Hawaii this weekend because maybe it's rented out. So, for me, the decrease in utility, it's like an order of magnitude larger than what I would get from the thing. Like, I'm totally happy to pay $500 a year to be able to, like, just have the random opportunity to go to Budapest or Hawaii or whatever last minute. And to know that, like, if I left a laptop charger there, it's still there. Or if like my toothbrush is there, it's still there. How do you experience money now? We do a monthly email, which I think is great, where right. we do a monthly update, which is just like work, relationships, income, miscellaneous travel. Family, friends. Family, friends. I've never thought about this before. Your first section is always money. I don't know why that is. I think maybe because that area had the biggest changes when I first started writing those. Or who knows? Maybe it is. Yeah, there may know. be some other reason though. That's interesting. Yeah, I think like just within the past year or two, I got to the point where I just never have to worry about money again, right? Not like I could just go like live, like buy Rolls Royces and like whatever, whatever. But like, I know what my tastes are and I've invested a lot of money I've made to like, to utility, right? To like these houses, to a place in Vegas, to car, you know, whatever. So like, I got to the point where I just don't need money anymore. If I made $0 for the rest of my life, probably I could be okay. 
I'm not super rich or living a lavish life, but like there's a certain threshold you cross, right? So now I don't want to get into a trap where it becomes a primary focus. I think a lot of times that happens once people start making good money because it's an area of comfort because they're good at making money. So it's like a scoreboard. It's something you become good at. And so it's easy to focus on it. What I think is like, okay, now I don't have to worry about this. What do I actually care about in my life? And so like in those monthly updates, you know, you mentioned it's like family, friends, relationship, travel, stuff like that is probably more important to me. Time in general, like how am I spending my time is more important. And so what I think about with money is like, okay, I have enough to live a good life forever, right? So if I'm going to spend more money, it has to be making something better in a tangible way. And so I think my priority now is like spending time with friends, spending time with family and making those like high quality experiences. So like a lot of why I do these things, these properties is like, there's six of us in on this Hawaii one. My guess is that we'll all be slightly better friends on average because we have this place because we'll just hang out there. We'll have great memories in Hawaii. We'll go on these cool trips or whatever, you know, especially when you look at it over 10 years, right? So to me, that's like a great investment in time. And like my family came in this past year and a half, they came to both the island and to Budapest. My thought was, especially at the island, we were just at the island a month ago and I was there with my mom and my aunt and two of my siblings, my stepfather and my uh, brother-in-law, my new brother-in-law. So we're all sitting there and we'd made this amazing meal over the campfire and we're eating it on this table inside this yurt that we'd built. And I put a lot of work into this and some money into this. I had this thought of like, my family has given me so, so, so much. They've just always been supportive. They've always been on my team. Like I have great relationships with all of them that have been rich my life. And I feel like this was like the first experience where like I got to give them an experience. You know, it's not like I just bought them dinner because like anybody could buy them dinner, they could buy dinner. But I was like, this is like a very unique experience. They would definitely not have had anything like if it wasn't for me. And they were just psyched. I mean, they had a great time and, and all this. Like, how do you quantify that value? This value I got to give to them, this value that I then got this amazing memory with them. And so I like spending money in ways where I can spend like a relatively fixed cost that will then allow me to create awesome times for like unlimited people in my life if I want to. So for me, that's like one of the most valuable ways I can spend money, I think. Even buying the Bentley, same thing. I can pick people up from the airport in the Bentley. And I think people don't care. But I always wondered what it was like to ride in a Bentley. And now <laughs> everybody gets to know. <laughs> How do you not yeah. get greedy with it? Because I think that's where I'm at, where I got sumo.com, AppSumo. That was sponsored, by the way. Oh, you got so many sponsors. I can't wait this to see show this, this payoff yeah. at the end. Yeah, I get paid in free shoes and <laughs> software. Tees. Yeah. And I think I'm similar to you where like my lifestyle is minimal enough where like I don't have to worry about making money because I don't spend a lot of money. Mm -hmm. But I, I sometimes just can't help myself wanting to feel greedy. And it's not, I don't think I'm unique in that. Like no, Noah no, is no. the one Jew in the world <laughs> that like wants more money. Yeah. Christians love money and Muslims love money. We all love money. People love money. But I just notice sometimes I want more and I go in this like kind of fucking circle of like, why do I want more? But I think that's the right circle to be in. I mean, certainly part of it is like, it's fun to have money because then it's like, you feel like more of a man or- There's some validation. Yeah, it's this validation. I think we all feel that. But yeah, I think it's just like being really honest with like, if I make X amount more money, what am I actually going to do with it? Right? And like, I got to the point where I realized for me, like I have weird tastes, like we're talking about like the hype stuff and all this, like I realized that there's nothing else I really want short of a private jet. And even that I only really want it so I can be like, we're going to Japan. I'm picking you up on the way, right? Because that would just be like, it's very similar to the island thing, right? Like nobody would have that experience, but I've done all the research. It's very expensive. I've recently found out even like mega celebrities, like Jay-Z level celebrities don't fly private internationally. They only fly private domestically. Wow. Isn't that crazy? It's too expensive? Because it's so expensive and impractical. And that really deflated my sales. Actually, I always wanted a small plane, like a little yeah. propeller plane. 
was always one of my goals. And then I got to the point where I could actually buy one and I did the research and I was like doing the math. And like for me, actually, it was like, oh, I'm gonna have to like deal with maintenance a lot. Like I don't even like smogging my car. And there's like five of those things of you things. have to do with a plane. And so I didn't want to do that anymore. So for me, I just realized there's like, there's really nothing else I want short of a private jet. And I don't even really want that that badly, you know? Someone, I was having breakfast with the guy today and he said, well, someone gives you a check today for $50 million for your company. Mm-hmm. He's like, so what are you going to be doing differently? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what would you do? Private jet is on my list as well. How about you just get one and take me no, for a ride think, then? That's you know, even better. I was at a pool party that had two pools in it. Mm-hmm. I was like, why do you need two <laughs> pools? I have never know a reason why you need a second one. But right. I had this realization, this was a few years ago. I was like, I don't need to be rich. I just need rich friends. Yeah. <laughs> I, just I mean, need it's, to have, it's almost better, have the people right? with the planes, not yeah. actually own it yourself. But uh, he said, well, you get $50 million now, your company. And I was like, fuck, that sucks. Like, I mean, I love the people I work with. I'd probably keep my Miata and maybe buy a truck. Right. He's like, can you afford the truck if you want? I was like, yeah, it's like a Toyota Tacoma. <laughs> maybe if I'm moving temporarily to LA and maybe I'll just buy a house there instead of having to worry about like, am I trying to get a good deal on it or not? Right. You know, I just worked for a month in Barcelona with like good friends and like I get to come to Austin and I have my scooter. And, like, I don't know, like I didn't really have any other things. And I think sometimes it's, I have to remind myself like, okay, you want more money or you're trying to like make a thousand more dollars doing this or whatever it is. Like, right. You know, you always read those like posts or books about like what people regret at the end of life. Nobody regrets not making more money. You know, probably people who die in poverty do, but they're not getting interviewed. But everybody, like it's so universal. They're like, I wish I spent more time with the people that matter to me. Like it's a universal thing. And so it's like, okay, if we know that that's what people are regretting and you never say anybody, see anybody say like, you know, I wish I made like 20% more money. I wish I died with a higher net worth than I'm dying. Like it just doesn't happen. And so it's like, okay, well, you know, you can be aware of other things because not everybody feels the same way, but like probably that's an indicator that like that should be a priority. One thing I noticed that was interesting for myself is that like maybe before June, I was really jealous of people. Hmm. And I haven't really been a jealous. What happened in June? I went to Israel. Hmm. So two things happened. I went to the, on this Israel trip called Reality. Mm-hmm. Is that about this? I mean, I know you went to Israel, but I don't know. Well, I've gone twice. I went in the beginning of the month and the end of the month. Mm-hmm. I went on this trip called Reality and it was basically by Schusterman Foundation. And you don't have to be Jewish. Mm-hmm. Anybody can go and you, you just have to apply and they have like different verticals. So there's like music vertical, tech vertical, cooking vertical. Mm-hmm. And so I applied for tech and I got in and it was basically like being around 45, just like people like you, like just interesting people doing things. Cool. And we had amazing conversations. They took us all around Israel. Actually, I thought it would basically be an Israel propaganda trip. That's what I was like ready for. Right, that, like, that was sort of my thought too. Yeah. We oh, yeah. Talking yeah. about it. Yeah. And so, because I went to Birthright, which mm-hmm. I think most people are familiar with, Israel sponsors people that are Jewish to come to Israel and you get a free trip for a week. And this trip, you only have to pay for the 900 bucks for your flight, but everything else is covered and it's surprisingly neutral. I think seeing that stuff, seeing leadership, talking about personal mm-hmm. development, experiencing it there. And I think it made me realize like I wanted to take change instead of just like watching change. Mm-hmm. And that was number one. And number two, coming back here, Neville, one of my best friends was like, you're being a whiny bitch, number one. Two, you need a larger apartment because you're not having enough space and you live with your girlfriend. And three, you need to be impressive to yourself. Like stop yeah. doing stupid shit. Mm-hmm. That's a smart piece of advice, even without knowing specifically what he's talking about. I like. And he said, like be that. impressive. He's like, you haven't been impressive. Go and And I think to your point about making money, and jealousy, it was that not about the money. It's just I wasn't working on things that I really wanted or I really cared about. And I think that actually brings you the most money. Like you think about the richest people in the world, they still work. Like yeah. you would think if yeah. most people would be like, man, if I get rich, if I get rapper rich, I'm not at work. But like, okay, the richest ones are still actually doing the same thing. They don't totally. have to at all. And I think that's telling. And so for me, since Israel, it's like, all right, well, what can I do differently? So mm-hmm. it's like I'm putting on a magic show next week. So I'm producing it. Awesome. And I'm like super stoked for putting on the show. Uh, we're putting on a charity ride. And like we're working on some new software that I think there's an interesting thing coming back with greed and jealousy when I had this realization. I was so jealous of bird scooters. 
that I didn't invent it. <laughs> and I realized it was just because I wasn't happy with what I was doing myself. Right. I was like, damn. All right. Let's just go back and, and make your, like create things for yourself. Right. And now I see birds. I'm like, it's just a scooter. Yeah. And they put like a little thing on top of it. Well, I also think that like with jealousy, when I moved to San Francisco, you have to confront it, right? Because you constantly meet people who are just better than you at like nearly everything. And so you either get jealous or you figure out a way to cope with it. My big realization was like, the best friend group is a group of people who are all the best at different things, right? Like if everybody in a friend group is like competing to be the best at one thing, what's the point of having this group? So like, I think I'm best at certain things in my friend group. I think I'm the worst at certain things in my friend group, but it's almost like a relationship or a family or like any unit of people. It's better to have specializations. That's how you get the most benefit. Like if I'm great at thing A, but terrible at B and it's reverse with you, we get to bring so much to each other's lives. If we're both competing over A, then like, What's the point? Maybe we actually could share some tips on it. But for me, I realized that like jealousy was just kind of a compass of what is missing for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was like, oh, there's something I'm not getting out of what I'm doing. And that's really what I need to go back to. Yeah. If you're like super focused on something that you're like psyched about, you don't have time or headspace to be jealous about other stuff. That's a wrap. I hope you like the episode. If you like this episode, text a friend you love them. Yo, dog, let's go play Settlers of Catan together. Next, Go say hi to Tynan at Tynan.com. That's T-Y-N-A-N.com. Finally, I love hearing your feedback about the show. It makes me super excited whether it was great, whether it's bad, things to improve. So send me a tweet at Noah Kagan, N-O-A-H-K-A-G-A-N, letting me know what you think. Have a beautiful day. What's your favorite day of the week?